Some of you might have seen this in the news. There was a press statement about the resignation of the AIK secretary, Seth Mahinga. If you don't know what AIK is, I'll share that here in a moment. But they put out a press statement, said this, Seth's reason for resigning is that he has found Jesus. We wish Seth all the best. Seth then said this, I've been going through some difficulties in life. I decided to resign as secretary. I am so happy to be here. So what is AIK and to who was Seth speaking to? Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous soul will prosper, and he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. We're going to look at somebody incredibly special in history and how this person lived their life refreshing others, that their life was refreshed. Hopefully his life and the principles we'll see there will challenge us to say, let me be one who lives to refresh others, that I would be refreshed. That man is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, lived from 1906 to 1945. The short history that we'll see here in more detail here today and next week is that he was deeply involved in one of the most crucial times in history and faced one of the most evil people in all of history. He was famous for writing a couple books that talked about cheap grace. Something still read today, his works, his books, his letters, but he is the one who created that term, cheap grace. And what is cheap grace? He said cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. The idea here is cheap grace is I can say I believe Jesus forgave my sins, therefore I can live as I want. And he says that's cheap. It's taking the cross and making it of no account. He says the reality is that real grace is seeing the price that Jesus paid and then be willing to give our everything because he gave that price on our behalf. There's a study years ago, Social Security Administration, they gave an average of if you take 100 people, begin at their working career start date, follow them out 40 years, Here's what you would find. One person is independently wealthy. Four are financially secure. Five will have to, keyword there is have to, continue working due to debt they have accumulated. 36 will have died and 54 are broke and dependent on others, whether that be friends or family or government. You see, we must decide what we want in life and not just do what other people do. Take 100 people and and roughly five are living that life that they want to live. But anybody can step into living that life if they say, again, like Bonhoeffer, I don't think grace is cheap. I think grace costs Jesus everything. And so every day I want to live to my fullest potential to glorify him, beginning with pouring my life into other people, refreshing them that they may be refreshed. Here's a great step, a first step, how Elrod says, you want to get out of that mediocrity, number one, draw a line in the sand. Make a decision as to what you are going to start doing differently from this day forward. Your entire life changes the day you decide you will no longer accept mediocrity for yourself. I hope that Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life will will challenge us to say, here's a man 
who gave it all, became a martyr because of his faith. And you'll think about the giants he faces. He would study much about David and Goliath because you're going to see in a moment the Goliath he faced, few would dare to do what he did. So let's take a look at Bonhoeffer. He had uh, seven brothers and sisters. Grandfather was a minister, lived in Germany. There his father was a, a prominent professor, well-known. What happened for Dietrich is at about 14, he had this great skill playing piano, and they thought that would be his life. He loved to play songs. You'll see how important that was here in a moment. He had a twin sister, and they would talk about God often. Dietrich started talking about meaning and what is life about when he was a child. And he and his sister, he said, we'd sit in bed at night and talk about God and just say eternity, eternity, eternity. And as a teenager, he said to his family, I'm called to be a pastor. It was a life-changing moment, though. World War I starts, and his brother, Walter, is called to the army. As Dietrich said, it was a painful moment. Months later, when they get a message that his brother, Walter, died on the battlefield, and suddenly their family's life turned upside down. If he asked deep questions as a child, he began to ask even deeper ones at that moment. What is life about? What does God want from us? He would go on and graduate from university and become a pastor. Here's the thing, though. And there are thousands of books written about World War I and World War II. But a couple things need to be understood about. Here is Dietrich, his family. They live in Germany. Germany loses World War I. They sign the Treaty of Versailles, which means they accept total responsibility for the war, going to devastate the economy. They lose all sorts of territory. They're forbidden to have an army over 100,000 people. Their leader, the Kaiser, disgraced, leaves the country never to return. Now you have a, a government in shambles. And here's this young man trying to be a pastor. But as we all know in history, there was another young man at that same time that was also a great speaker. And he attracted a lot of attention. And in 1923, that other young man tried to lead a coup, was arrested, thrown in jail, wrote a book, got out of jail. And now you got a lot of people that are going to follow him. Of course, that other man is Adolf Hitler. And he and this young pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, their lives are about to become entwined. It's a story you simply couldn't write. Think about Mark chapter 3. We're told this, the multitude came together so Jesus and his disciples could not so much as eat bread. When his own people heard about this, his family, they went out to lay hold of him and they said, he is out of his mind. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the crowds begin to, to gather. There's miracles. Disciples are called. What's his family's response? He's out of his mind. You know, here's the thing that Bonhoeffer 
he's going to face that criticism. You and I may face that criticism because he's told you're out of your mind. Because he's about to face down Hitler himself. And people say to him, listen, I have a faith in God too, but you, this commitment, what you're risking here? We have to understand, we don't want to live in mediocrity. We want to follow Christ who even himself at the beginning of his ministry was rejected by those closest to him. Now, fortunately, they would come around to see that he's the Messiah after the resurrection. But how do you get out of that life of mediocrity? You draw a line in the sand and say, I don't believe in cheap grace. I believe in grace. And the world's behind me and the cross is before me. There's no turning back. Let's go back to that headline. Here's the whole headline. AIK, Secretary Mr. Seth Mahinga resigned. The rest of that statement says this. This evening, the secretary of the Atheist in Kenya Society, Mr. Seth Mahinga, informed me he has made a decision to resign from his position. Seth's reason for resigning is he has found Jesus Christ and he is no longer interested in promoting atheism in Kenya. And when Seth said, I'm so happy to be here, the here, he was speaking at a church just hours later. Because grace, again, is extended to each of us. And if we reach out and receive that promise, everything changes in a moment. Dietrich Bonhoeffer would leave Germany for a year, spend a year here in the United States studying at university. He also went to churches, different places in the country, worshipped with people from different backgrounds. He himself had spent his time in a Lutheran church, and now he's going to other churches, some very lively, spirit-filled. One of those churches, he's given a book, and he's going to carry that book for life. We'll see how important that book was here shortly. Something else happened, though, in the U.S., Dietrich and a friend, they went to see a movie. That movie was called All Quiet on the Western Front. Up to this point, movies, books, sort of glorified war, talked about adventure, heroic acts. But All Quiet on the Western Front showed the horrors of war. The bloodshed, the loss, the terror, the pain, heartbreak, the violence. First movie to, to show this. Bonhoeffer and his friend, he shared they sat in silence, as tears rolled down their face watching this movie. At that moment, he says, nobody should have to go through that. So he's going to declare at that moment that, that he's a pacifist. He's going to be challenged in that belief. But he also watches this pain on the screen and looks at the world. He knows what happened in Germany. Still asking those deep questions. But now he's asking, what's the church for? 
And he would write this, the church is only the church when it exists for others, helping, serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. Just like Jesus laid down his life, we're called to do the same, that others might be brought from darkness into light. Germany, after World War I, they get rid of the Kaiser. They decide they'll have a president that'll serve for seven years. The president will appoint a chancellor to run the government. Well, in 1933, the current chancellor steps down in disgrace. And that was a key moment. As John Hendrick says, there was another person waiting in the wings to be the chancellor. And as he shares, somehow Adolf Hitler, a man who was once convicted of high treason, was legally given Germany's chancellorship January 30, 1933. The president above him was 85 and falling ill. Bonhoeffer goes back to Germany. He's teaching at university. He sees this new chancellor having all this power. He's disturbed watching. He has no idea the evil that's building up. He just says nobody should have that type of power. He goes on the radio and says this, leaders of offices which set themselves up as gods mock God. And the individual who stands alone before him must perish. And then suddenly the radio is cut off. And Bonhoeffer and the other students realize there's something else going on. And nobody knows to this day who cut the radio off. It's believed it may have been the Gestapo. But think about this. He speaks out publicly against this new leader and all the power this person has. And when he does that, the radio goes silent. And he knows there's much more than what he ever imagined was taking place. Again, how do you leave that life of mediocrity and commit fully to Christ? You draw a line in the sand. And again, you say no turning back, no matter what the cost. Think about this. Hal Elrod, a popular speaker, author, shared driving down the highway. Going about 70, he's in a head-on collision with a truck, spins his car out of control, As it spins, he's hit on the driver's side by another car, smashes into him. He's knocked unconscious. Many bones are broken. They use the jaws of life to pull him out of the car, and then he dies. For six minutes, his heart stops beating. They bring his heart back. Hal Elrod, though, is in a coma. He will spend many, many days in that coma. When he wakes up, The doctor said you have brain damage. You'll never live a normal life again. You'll never walk. On top of that, his girlfriend breaks up with him in the hospital. He's at the lowest point. And he knew he had a decision to make. As Tony Robbins says, to make profound changes in your life, you need either inspiration or desperation. And as Hal Elrod shared, he knew he could give up or he could make a decision and draw a line in the sand. And he did that. And he spent months in therapy, physical therapy, emotional therapy, getting back on his feet. 
He would leave that hospital, become successful in business as an author, as a speaker, marry the, the woman of his dreams. Because he said, I'm not going to live that doctor's story that says I can't walk. I'm not going to live that story that says I'll never be myself again. I'm going to not accept mediocrity. I'm drawing a line in the sand. Something else happens here. A key moment between Bonhoeffer and Hitler. 1933. Hitler was given power to make laws on his own. Takes away the right to free speech, free press, free assembly. Comes up with a new title, the Führer, which means the leader. And then he writes the Aryan paragraph, which says this. It removed anybody with non-Aryan or Jewish heritage from serving in two places, civil service. Think about this, number two or in the church. And now Bonhoeffer is going to speak out again because somebody's telling those in the church who can serve, who cannot. And now Bonhoeffer's going to not speak on the radio. He's going to publish a paper. Here's what he said. The church has an unconditional obligation toward the victims of any societal order, even if they do not belong to the Christian community. He's spoken out twice now on the radio, and now he publishes a book to oppose this leader of which, again, he has no idea what evil is building. You know, Proverbs 3, verse 9, says to honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of all your increase. What does it mean to honor God with our first fruits? It means to give your best. Not to say I give God my leftovers, but I give him my best. And the promise is as we give him our best, our life will then overflow. For Bonhoeffer, he starts what's known as the confessing church. People, again, he went to pastors. Some opposed him, said, you're foolish, you're out of your mind. Others said, I stand with Hitler. And Bonhoeffer said, you can't do that. So he created the, the confessing church. Those that confess Christ is Lord alone. And he said this, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. I love this debate here. Kent Hovind debating an atheist who said, you believe in God. Where's God from? And Hovind responded, where did God come from? Assumes you're thinking of the wrong God. God is not affected by time, space, or matter. Not the God of the Bible. Think about it. Time, space, and matter have to come into existence at the same instant. If there were matter but no space, where would you put it? If there were matter and space but no time, when would you put it? You cannot have time, space, or matter independently. They have to come into existence simultaneously. How did that happen? The Bible answers that in 10 words. In the beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. 
We're told that Jesus is the one who spoke it into existence, created all things, time, space, matter, everything. And that's who we lay down our life to say, I serve him because he laid down his life to save mine. Therefore, we shall have no fear. Think about Bonhoeffer, young pastor, this leader's taking control. He's speaking out. Here comes Goliath. Others are running in fear. And now they're terrified because on June 29th, 1934, known as the Night of Long Knives, where Hitler would eliminate 200 plus other leaders in his country that opposed him, solidifying that he was the sole person in charge. What did Bonhoeffer do? Opens a seminary in secret, knowing that if they're caught, they'll be imprisoned, if not executed But he wanted to train other pastors who believed in Christ alone and were not cowering in fear, who did not choose mediocrity, but rose above and said, I'll lay down my life because he has given his life on that cross. No turning back for me. So he opens his seminary, knowing it won't take long for the Gestapo to find them because they're already searching for this man who's spoken out. He's written against this evil leader. But while the seminary exists for a few months, there's joy, there's song, there's prayer, studying the Bible together. As you remember, Bonhoeffer brought a a book back from the USA. Received it at a a spirit-filled church with lively worship. He wanted to share some of those songs and especially one he loved the most to which they would sing at that seminary. This is the one that they would sing. I looked over Jordan and what did I see coming for to carry me home? A band of angels coming after me, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. If you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home, tell all my friends I'm coming to, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. No more cheap grace. Draw a line in the sand no matter what Goliath you face. We'll see things are about to get a a whole lot deeper between these two men. But light always overcomes the dark. 